Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to episode number 28 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. With you as always, my name is Scott. And I'm Wes. And uh, Wes, we're back. Uh, a couple days delayed here. Had some issues we had to deal with earlier. So Minor hope, technical difficulties. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully everyone forgives us for being a couple days delayed. But uh, yeah. It just builds the anticipation for this episode. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like when you went to the rental store because you really wanted to get Mega Man 3 and it was out, but your mom was like, that's okay, I got to go back Sunday and we'll we'll check then. And mm-hmm. sure enough, we're here Sunday and it's it's on the shelf. So, you know, it was worth the wait. Well, see, my luck was always, you know, you would go back on Sunday to rent it and the guy had either not returned it yet or just kept it late. So then, yeah. you know, you were forced to just, you got to rent something. And well, there's Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball just sitting there. What a horrible decision that was. <laughs> I mean, either way, you know you're not getting the manual, so. Yeah, I know. You get your permastruct instructions. <laughs> oh, I loved the artwork from those that they printed out. Yeah, the like the superhero guy. Here's your instructions. And, like, yep. Punching the case for some reason. Um, I've got a show that I had taped off a of TV from the late 80s that there's a couple like local commercials on it still. Uh-huh. And one of them was, I think, for some like roofing company, maybe. But it had like, I swear, it was the guy from those artwork uh, right. instruction manuals, like as the mascot. Like, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about roofing or Mega Man Three. We're talking about That's Soldier true. Blade for the Turbo Graphics Sixteen. That's true. Uh, this was your pick, so I'll give the little kind of introduction here about the game, and then you're kind of going to lead this conversation. Sounds good to me. All right, so this was developed by Hudson Soft and released, like we said, on the TurboGrafx-16 in 1992, U.S. and Japan. Um, not a whole lot more information I've got from there other than it's considered by a lot of people to be one of the best shoot 'em ups on the system, if not ever. So we'll debate and argue whether that's actually true or not. But, uh, yeah, this was your pick, and you said one of your kind of all-time favorites. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what you love about it, what's your nostalgia for it, and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I first came into this game probably in the early 2000s. Kind of discovered it when I was uh, big into the turbo graphics for a while. Because, and like I've said on previous episodes, it was always a system that, um, you know, I was really enthralled by and really wanted to play, but just availability-wise, it just wasn't there, you know. And 
uh, not having the the funds to have multiple consoles, I guess, you know, until I had a job and, and other things and, and stuff like that. So I discovered this game, like I said, about early 2000s and uh, just loved it. I mean, I, I love shoot 'em ups anyway. Um, and this just really sort of scratched the itch. And especially um, if you're a fan of old school shoot 'em ups, I mean, the, the PC Engine slash TurboGrafx 16 is one of the best systems that you can have for old school shoot 'em ups. And Soldier Blade is one of the reasons why. I mean, it's, it's not, it's hard to say because it doesn't do that much different from some of the other shoot 'em ups on the system, at least at first glance. But uh, what's there is is really, really good. I mean, it's uh, as far as gameplay and uh, music and sound. And uh, I mean, it's, it's like the complete package, sort of. So um, you can't really go wrong with a lot of shoot 'em ups on the system. But I would say if you're going to. Um, introduce somebody that's not familiar to this system or these games. Um, I think this is a good introductory game. And I've used that several times with some friends of mine, just kind of show them, you know, hey, check this game out. This game is really sweet. So um, like I said, I've, I've been playing it for years and it's just something that I constantly come back to because um, it's just a combination of the gameplay, the music, and the fact that it doesn't really require a lot of time to sit down and play. Which is great, and the the older I get, I mean, I start to gravitate back more to the pick up and play kind of games because you know if you just don't have enough time, you know, but you might want to just play something for a little while, uh, you know, a shooting game or something like that is is perfect for that. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll fully admit that the Turbo Graphics is something that I have very little exposure to, um, and even shoot 'em ups, they were just never a game style that I played much. Uh, there were there were a few here and there. I mean, I love the hell out of some Galaga, but um, I just I never played a lot of these like scroller type mm. shoot 'em ups. Okay. And I'm I'm kind of like that we do the show because you've introduced me, you know, to several already since we've been doing this for the last year or so. Sure. And you know, so from my perspective, I think that you know, talking about this genre whole a little bit later, but also just this particular game. One of the nice things about these types of games is that they are so easy to just pick up and go. Mm-hmm. And there's very little training you have to do. There's very little, uh, like, I guess, homework in terms of reading the manual. Although, as we discovered, there's a couple secrets in this one that if you didn't read the manual, you wouldn't know that mm-hmm. there were some abilities and items and things and how they worked. But otherwise, like, even without that knowledge, what what really is there to explain? You're a ship, you fly straight ahead, avoid all of the bullets and kill the things on the screen. Mm-hmm. The end. Yeah. And anybody can kind of pick that up because it's very intuitive. And if the game is built well and designed well, like it'll have a good learning curve where the first couple stages are incredibly easy and you can get through and feel confident and it kind of builds as you go and becomes difficult. And I feel like there's there's not a ton of shoot 'em ups that are designed that well Mm. and there are some where you know you either can just cruise through the entire thing without ever having an issue and though i find those kind of boring or there's you know the others where it's just like we'll kick your ass from stage one in which case i also don't find that very much fun and and i liked i liked the challenge in this one because there well i would say there are two really good things going for it the the nice thing about the challenge is that even with unlimited continues, which you get in this case, I still couldn't get past stage four. Now I've only had, you know, a week and a half to play this. And prior to that, I had never touched it before, 
but sure. I don't know if it's the last boss in that or something. It's some big flamethrower dude that, you know, I couldn't get past it. You know, three or four mm-hmm. different playthroughs got there. No problem. Could not clear it. And I like that there's still that little bit looming over me. That's okay. That's a reason to go back and pick this up again. Mm-hmm. Um, the other beautiful thing about this game is that it's kind of like what we talked about when we were discussing Gunstar Heroes a couple episodes ago. This is one of those games that just has so much little customization in terms of how you play it that it, mm-hmm. it adds some fun and replay value in that regard. You've got three different weapons, basically, that you can pick up as power-ups. There's a, And even just like uh, Gunstar Heroes, there's the red one, the blue one, the green one. Uh-huh. And each one kind of has a different thing blue was like a laser the green was like these wave things that shot out and then red was kind of your standard machine gun but then as you kind of got more power-ups they got more powerful and the it just i don't know there were different strategies i think for different enemies where one was better than others but it just completely changed the way you would play the game and i think that that adds a lot of replay to it and a lot of fun and i i, I don't know for those two reasons alone i think that this was a really good example of what makes this genre fun, especially from somebody like me who has very, very little exposure to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And I wanted to go back to um, something that you mentioned in the beginning there, as far as um, you know, where you get to the stage four boss and kind of got to that that point. And that's another reason why I've been playing this game for so long and coming back is you know, kind of like you when I first started playing it, I was kind of making slow progress a little bit, trying to figure out how things worked and, and things like that. And the more that you play, the better you get at it and it becomes easier and it becomes more fun. And that's one of the other reasons that I, I like shoot 'em up so much is because at the end of the day, it relies on skill, memorization and hand-eye coordination. And that's another reason why I constantly come back to this genre because I like being able to, to test my pattern recognition skills. I like being able to test my... Uh, hand-eye coordination and i feel that these games do that for me they scratch that itch Um, and and i also think that you know with a game like this different people are going to be different and there's there's going to be people who don't want a repetitive game that has a pattern that all you have to do is memorize it and that's how you succeed personally i kind of think that that's fun because like you said that's how i can test my skill Mm -hmm. and and i like when there's some of these games where I can, I, there's a possibility I can reach a point of mastery and something like this. I definitely noticed every time I went through it, I got a little bit better. And, you know, part of that's just my reflexes are kind of more honed in, but a lot of it is actually that I remember, Oh, there's a guy coming from behind me here. There's a guy that comes over from the right really fast at this point. And as you kind of start to remember that and pay attention to that, it's, it's a, it's a really rewarding feeling then when you kind of start to succeed and can see that come. Um, so I think that, you know, given this some more time, you could get to that point definitely is, you know, being able to do a, a clear of this in one sitting, you know, without too much difficulty or, you know, hell, even like a, a one life clear or something like that. Like, I don't think that's unattainable. No, no, you're exactly right. And that, to me, that's sort of the ultimate goal of, of shmups when I, when I sit down and play them is I would like to be good enough to be able to one credit clear it or you know potentially to one life clear it and that may not always happen but it's having having that goal in mind i think is what keeps me coming back to the genre you know even if i don't get a one credit clear 
um, I might get pretty far into the game without continuing, and that's that's rewarding for me. So it, yeah, it depends. So, and we've kind of had that conversation on the show before, where we were talking about things like you know the recent resurgence of Neo Geo because of the Switch, mm-hmm. yeah. or yeah, you know just kind of art. Episode, What's think. that? I said we talked about it in the Metal Slug episode, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that definitely. Um, you know, with that or just with different arcade games being available, it's kind of like, well, what's the value of replaying these when you have unlimited credits? You know, it's not a quarter muncher that you actually have to spend money on. It's like, where does the fun come in in a game where you can just continue as many times as you want? And mm-hmm. I think you just kind of nailed it. It's that, are you good enough to you know, play this to the point where you could clear it in one credit or clear it in one life. And right. you know, Grave, Graveyard Duck Challenge is kind of a great way for us to exemplify that too, or give people a chance to show their skill if they do have that. But um, yeah, it's 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 fun. And, and, and that is the kind of game that this is designed for and the, the very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, like you said, um, as far as the, uh, the difficulty is concerned and how you had some trouble with it a little bit, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit is, you know, for years I I played this game without ever reading the manual because it just it wasn't available, uh, or if it was, it was prohibitively expensive. And that's the other thing you start to find with Turbo Graphics is um, the secondary market is really insane for pricing games like this. But there's and we'll cover it later. But there's a lot of other avenues to explore this game too, which is nice. But um, you know, one of the things I was going to say with um, a lot of the boss encounters in this game is uh, you've got, like you said, you've got this um, secondary type weapon system that you can power up three different times. And if you notice in the lower right-hand corner, it's um, it shows the weapon that you're on currently. Now, if you press button one on the turbo graphics, which would technically be the A button on a uh, like an NES style controller, if you press that, you'll un- unleash a sort of a super attack for a few minutes and well, maybe not a few minutes, but it basically will, it depends on what style of weapon you have, but that can really help destroy a lot of the bosses and very quickly too. So right. for instance, um, the stage four boss where you got stuck, which is the one with the flamethrowers and it's, uh, it constantly pressures you like it's pushing you down, like pushing down towards the, where you're at at the bottom of the screen and trying to capture, hit you with the flamethrowers. The um, best way to deal with that is to use, like I use the green weapon a lot. That's my favorite. But, um, you know, if you use the the super attack for that, you get what's called the chase blaster. And it's a, uh, like an energy bomb that just kind of homes in on the boss and just flies around him for about, I don't know, five or six seconds. So it does a crap ton of damage and it allows you to kind of fly out of harm's way and kind of hide off in the other part of the screen for a little bit. Right. Well, that's not something that when I first started playing this game, that's not something I really knew about, you know, like yourself. I just kind of played through most of it, just trying to shoot as much as I could and dodge as much as I can. But once you kind of play it more and you you start to experiment with these different things, those kind of options are there to help you and it makes the game much easier, which is cool. Yeah, and there there's even something else that I noticed with that, um, that super weapon that you were using. That It's like there's... There's another button you can hit. I think the select button will change between like low or high yeah, when it, it was out there. Yeah. And it's like that kind of adds a little bit of variety to it also. Sure. And you, you also just have to be careful because like as you pick up weapons, as we said, there's the three different colors. 
And when you get the first one, it's like, okay, the, you know, basically first degree of that weapon. Then you mm-hmm. get another one. It's like second degree. And then the third degree. And so it's like, if you've got three reds in a row, you've got this awesome super red weapon. Yeah. But then as soon as you use the super charge power up, it like knocks it down a level. So exactly. yeah, mm-hmm. you have to kind of balance out when is it worth using the supercharge because your regular beam then starts to suffer. That's okay though. Um, the other nice thing with this game is you don't always die in one shot. If you have three like three levels to your weapon, if you're maxed out, if you get hit once, it knocks you down to two. And then right. if you get hit again, it knocks you down to one, and then it blows you up. So having a full full stocked you know weapon is kind of beneficial in that way too, in that it doesn't penalize you right away for making a mistake. Right. Yeah. Although I found that it's it's very crippling when you do die. Yeah. Because going from being so powered up to then drop down to zero, mm. it, you know, depending on how far into the stage you are, it's it's it can be very difficult to kind of like build yourself back up to full. Well, keep in mind though, when you if you do explode in this game, like two of your power ups will fly out of your ship and start to fly down from the top of the screen. So if you're quick enough on your next life when you spawn in, you can capture at least one or two power ups. I can usually get one. I can't get the second. <laughs> so it just kind of depends. Um, if you if you know to anticipate that, it's not too bad. So you liked the green weapon, you said? I do. Um, I mean, I really, I, I'm not, I like all three of the weapons in this game, but I think I tend to use the green the most uh, just because I like the, I like the effect of having a, a crap ton of, of these green lasers that just fill the screen. But the other nice thing is you can kind of steer them a little bit too. So if you're if you're shooting the green weapon and you move left or right, your shots will will sort of follow left or right just for a second as well, like as you're as you're moving. So in a way, you can kind of sweep the stage a little bit as you're flying because you can hit almost everything on the screen with them. Yeah, I thought the green one was definitely the most uh, screen clearing mm-hmm. of all three. Yeah, I do like the red, um, especially when you power it up completely, because a lot of shooters. They tend to just have, okay, your bullet spread is just going to be this giant cone coming out the front. But in this game, you have sort of an X pattern. So you have your diagonals covered on the back as well. Right. Which, again, can kind of help. The blue one is also really good, too, because it's basically a giant laser beam out of the center and then two of them coming out at 45-degree angles from that. So uh, that can be really strong for bigger enemies or boss characters. Yeah, and it's powerful it's you know it's not as wide you know widespread or sweeping but uh does a shit ton of damage yeah well and the uh special attack with that one is a giant beam that comes out of the the front of your ship called the sweeper blade and that kind of makes you invincible for a few seconds as well so if you're using that uh you can decimate bosses with that not only does it give you invincibility but it just does a ton of damage right away and the red one does a uh kind of a homing attack as well. It says uh, it's called a maximum heat trace, but it's like a uh, a little gun pod that just kind of comes out of your ship and it just goes up and like sits on the enemy for a little bit and does a ton of damage to it. Yeah, I like that one because then I don't have to worry about aiming. <laughs> yep, it does it for you basically, which is cool. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, another reason I think that, uh, that I like this game so much is um, it reminds me a lot of... Uh, Another shoot 'em up that I like called Raiden, which is really old school shoot 'em up, and there's been quite a few in that series too. 
but not only the fact that like the plane looks kind of similar a little bit, but in Raiden, it's kind of the same thing where the game's not super difficult right off the bat, but it kind of teaches you, you know, how to dodge and how to shoot and things like that. And it's just really, really damn fun. And I, I get that same vibe out of this game too. In fact, um, three on this on Soldier Blade, when you're going through like the 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 town and there's the tank treads and everything going on, like I feel like that stage itself is an homage to the Raiden games because it's kind of similar. I thought that stage was cool. I liked um, mm-hmm. I liked the fact that you know it's it, like a lot of shooters, like all you really get is just you're flying through space and look at all the stars. Yeah. Uh, and with with a lot of what I've seen on the turbo graphics, and maybe this is kind of its claim to fame, the backgrounds are always just gorgeous. Yeah. And there's just so many colors. It's so bright and crisp. And it's it's got a little bit of a Neo Geo feel to it, although mm-hmm. I feel like this is even a little bit more sharp. Um, but yeah, I, I just loved, as you were kind of going through, like you just see so many different things in the background, so much color, so much just, I don't know, detail is mm-hmm. what it is describe yeah. it yeah and that's that's the other thing i like about the system is it had its own visual identity that was separate from what the nes and the genesis were doing mm-hmm. you know and like you said the the, the detail the backgrounds the the crispness of the graphics the other thing that really makes the system great for shoot 'em ups is the um you know sort of the the turbo aspect of it if you will which is basically the uh the processor in the system, which allows it to basically have a very smooth scrolling game with almost no sprite flickering at all. Does it have blast processing? Well, not necessarily. I mean, that's more gimmicky, <laughs> I guess. Um, but in a similar fashion, though, that's the other reason that this system is so good for shoot 'em ups, is because it can handle, you know, the fast scrolling speed. It can handle all these sprites at the same time. And the Genesis was pretty good at that too. But the Super NES was the one that was kind of not so good for that. And if you yeah. know that in a lot of Super NES games, how there was always a ton of slowdown, you know, it's usually related to that. Right. Yeah, it would be very difficult to picture mm-hmm. something like this on Super Nintendo. Just the the amount of flicker or the amount of slowdown would be unbearable. But yeah, I mean, but I, in cases, it can make the game easier too, though, because the, the biggest example for that would be Gradius 3. Mm-hmm. Because if you notice, Gradius 3 slows down all the time. Right. No matter what. But that kind of helps you get out of certain situations and things like that. But if you play the arcade version of Gradius 3, it's incredibly hard because there's no slowdown whatsoever. So, uh, just kind of yeah, I, don't, I didn't notice any sort of like technical difficulties with this game at all as I played it. So yeah. there's a little bit when you get to the very last level, there's a little bit of stuff, go, you know, here and there, like it, it kind of chugs just a little bit, but that's only because there's just so much going on um, in the, the background detail and there's some other stuff going on. Uh, but for the most part, until you get to that, it's, yeah, buttery smooth. Buttery smooth. That's how I like my games. That's right. So, All right, so that's why you like the game. I, I'll accept that. I'll I mean, accept that answer. I mean, the other, the other thing, too, is just I like the old-style, like, mecha and spaceship-type designs that you got in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And this, again, this game is kind of a, a good showpiece for that. You know, it's like you said, you know, attacking enemies in space and stuff like that, but also just, you know, being able to like fly through these giant uh, battleships and, and space battleships and things like that, blowing them away. Just the sheer amount of detail on them is really cool because it has this sort of 
I don't know, video gamey military space type look without being too cartoony and without being too realistic, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it, it's a very, um, very good timepiece from, mm-hmm. you know, the early 90s. Yeah. That aesthetic, like, I feel like every anime from that time was mimicking this, like, that's all you could find at Suncoast. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, maybe that's why I'm drawn to these style of games, because that, you know, that time period for me was just very exciting, kind of being a, a fan of this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, but, but apart from that, too, like, we were talking about the, the visual identity of the system. I also want to talk just a little bit about the, the sound quality of the game, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sound effect wise, it's okay. The PC engine was never super good at sound effects, but I feel like what it, its real strength is is in the music, because uh, a lot of turbo games just sound really cool. They have either a really interesting synthesized sound to them, where it produces like really hard driving rock, like to get you pumped up to play, or um, just has very unique music depending on the game. Right. You know, and like I was saying early on. Uh, just from the get-go with this one, like the the music that starts off in stage one, I mean, it just gets you hyped up for the game. I feel like, I yeah, mean, I agree. Good shoot 'em up needs to have, you know, like some some really kick-ass music, and it really needs to pump you up to get you fired up to play. And I think this does that right from the get-go. Yeah, it's got a big, uh, a very rock soundtrack. Is that mm-hmm. what I would call it? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, pretty much all the music in this game is really good. Um, and maybe it's just me because I'm. A super nerd about this kind of stuff but i listen to the soundtrack to this quite a bit you know just having it on my phone and it just i don't know there's something about it and again maybe it's the timepiece aspect of it it's you know this system kind of being sort of the the hidden gem that it was back in the day and uh, just listening to it it's just yes. it's too pumped can't explain it anymore oh. than that, but. you you cut out for like the last 30 seconds oh weird no i was gonna say the um the the music just gets you just pumped up you know yeah every stage sounds completely different and sounds really really good yeah yeah i um i don't know i i I was a pretty big fan of this all around and like i said it's not a subgenre that i'm really all that familiar with or really kind of gravitate toward but Mm -hmm. i like your recommendations for these because it gives me an excuse to play something that i probably really wouldn't otherwise Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm watching a playthrough of it right now as we're recording and the guy's already gotten to the levels that I did not get to, and uh, I don't think I would have lasted very long in them. Yeah, that's not so bad. With with practice, this game actually really isn't too hard at all compared to a lot of other shoot 'em ups. So, mm-hmm. especially because the other thing I was going to talk about was kind of the scoring aspect of this game and the way that um, it rewards you lives um, very easily. So, in a, a good playthrough, it's not uncommon to rack up probably six or seven lives on one credit and then by the time you get farther into the game then maybe you get to a really difficult boss you're going to have probably five or six chances to uh, to beat that boss which is cool yeah i don't know what stage this guy's on now i think it's maybe six but he's just like swinging around this like ocean of bullets that just keep chasing him and somehow he's not getting hit <laughs> that's how you do it i mean the more that you play, the more you play this genre you'll start to find those little uh, safe spots and you'll recognize the patterns and uh and go from there you know and and i think one of the biggest things that i found challenging about this game was because you have your little you know gunship helper dude Mm -hmm. like there were a couple of times where i'm trying to not only watch where i am so i can avoid bullets but also trying to aim at enemies and there were several times where like i'd get 
confused as to which one I'm supposed to be watching. Oh because, yeah. yeah. You know, your little helper, obviously he, he can't die, mm-hmm. but you know, I would move to avoid a bullet and realize like, Oh, I was looking at the green ship, not the red one. And it's almost just like a few too many things going on on the bottom of the screen for that, you know, for like the casual shoot 'em up player. Mm. And, you know, I'm much more used to say your R type or Gradius style where you, you know, if you have an extra little assistant, it's attached to you or. Mm. Well, that's also kind of the difference between vertical and horizontal shoot 'em ups in a way, because I feel like uh, with horizontal shoot 'em ups, you have a little bit better grasp of, um, uh, you know, what your priorities are as far as, you know, enemy placement and uh, things like that. Vertical ones are a little bit different because, and, and it's just, it could just be the verticality of it. It's, there's a lot more, I guess, to, to prioritize, but in this game, it tends to, especially later on, it tries to throw some curveballs at you because it might throw a couple of different enemies at you at once. And, you know, you might die and think, okay, there's no way I can get past that. But really it's more of a test of, which one do you prioritize? You know, do you focus on the one in front of you and kind of fly up to knock it out and just not worry about the guy behind you that hoping he'll pass you up? Or do you try to deal with both? Um, just kind of depends. And that's something that you'll pick up on the more that you play. Well, and you do kind of notice that some of the enemies are just there to distract you. Like they're yeah. not, yeah. they don't actually shoot you or they don't actually do anything other than move across the screen and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could be, you know, sort of a trap in a way to, think that you're going to focus on them and then something else ends up killing you, you know, which is happens a lot in this genre actually too, especially with uh, a lot of games where there might be power-ups that are floating away from enemies. Because I find like, especially in games like Strikers 1945 and other ones where the power-ups tend to float around the screen, your instinct is always to kind of chase, chase after the power-up to get it. But most of the time that's not what you want to do because it's going to lead you right into either an enemy bullet or an actual enemy. So you kind of, I always kind of try to play it safe and wait for them to wait for the power-ups to come near me so I can go up and get it without having to extend myself out too far without knowing what's up there. Yeah. And that happened to be several times in this game where you'd see one coming and because you're trying to build up a certain color, yep. like, Oh, I really want the green one. And then I go after it and die or it's a trap. Or I would die trying to avoid the red one because I didn't want red right now. And... Yep. Yeah. Again, that's another thing I love about the genre is, you know, recognizing the risk and the reward of, of powering up without getting hit by an enemy or without dying. So, yeah. But like you said, the little pod, um, which is very similar to, it operates very similar to our type, that can be a lifesaver too, depending on how you position it. Because as you're moving, the, you know, the little pod is kind of moving behind you. But if you do it in a certain way, like let's say you move backwards uh, down towards the bottom of the screen, the pod is going to be right in front of you and it's going to stick right in front of you. So if you don't move anymore, then whatever enemy bullets that are coming at you directly down center or directly at you, that little ship is going to absorb them. Yeah, I had no idea that that's how that game worked when I played it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now, and that's the thing. Now, since you didn't know that in the beginning, you, you know, you compensated for that and you, your skills got a little bit better at dodging and shooting. Now that you know that, you're going to start positioning that ship closer to you to kind of take advantage of the, uh, the bullet absorbing mechanic. And that's right. going to make the game easier for you, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, so it's a trial by fire in a way. Yeah, that's the most literal thing I've ever heard. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, I also love looking through the instruction book here how, you know, and this was just a thing back in 
the early days of gaming where they you know we didn't have elaborate stories that you could convey in the game itself mm-hmm. uh you know there were there were some examples like rpgs you could do it or you know ninja gaiden managed but for so much of these the the game itself is just kind of bare bones in terms of what you're you're doing and playing and so i always loved pulling out instruction books and seeing like the backstory to some of this and just how it's so ridiculous. It has nothing to do with what the game is actually, you know, playing at all. Right. Um, But I'm looking through this right now. And on page five of the manual, it talks about the whole crew of the ship Mm -hmm. and like it, they've all got names and jobs like Edward J. Max, the mechanic. And it's just like, you know, the talks about the pilot, the science officer. It's like, what the hell? There's no science officer in this game. (laughs) I just, if you look at um, look at the uh, the girl's name there, Amelia Earhart. Yeah, which is hilarious. So um, yeah, she's yeah. the commu- the communications officer, and it's like, no, it's just a little pixelated ship shooting things. Like, there's no team or crew in there. <laughs> That's what's cool about it too, though. And a lot of it could be, I mean, and we'll get into this more in the history of it. But um, I feel like this is a lot of it is is just what early 90s Japanese games were good at is sort of creating this this sort of world, you know, whether you have these characters, you have this, you know, major story for this game, because either you're going, you may spin this off into another, you know, another game or an animated series or something like that. So it just kind of adds to that, you know, the the depth to it, I guess, because otherwise, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. There's not much difference then between you know, like say Soldier Blade or some of the other games in the series, like some of the other Star Soldier games and stuff like that. So you have this, you know, kind of cheesy, entertaining story, and it just kind of—I don't know—it's just kind of fun. But I like stuff like that. You know? Oh, I, yeah, I love it. It, it. it adds this extra level of depth that, without the manual, you'd never know existed. No, and... you have no idea. But even the mecha designs in this are really cool too. I mean, especially if you look through the manual, some of the um, and it, they probably just took some of the concept art, you know, and just applied it into the uh, the manual. But if you look at, I think it was on page 14, the, the Leos Alpha, which is basically a, a giant uh, two-legged mech that comes in riding on top of another ship, you know. Yeah. You see that in, in the game. I forget what stage it's in. But, um, you know, just stuff like that's cool. It just adds to, to me, it just adds to the, the design of the game. Right. You know. But speaking of mecha too the uh the other thing that's kind of funny about this game is the first first boss that you face is this giant you know fully armored uh you know space mecha guy and you shoot off like all the cannons off of him and he just kind of like i'll be back and he just flies off you know and yeah they you, did that several times actually yeah uh, i him several times which is really cool it's like he just keeps getting you know other cannons and pieces and putting them on him and you keep blowing them up. It's just like, ah, oh, you bastard. I'll be back again kind of thing. Well, and there was a, either stage two or three, I think, was one of the bosses where you kind of as a mid-stage boss, you fight it and you blow it halfway up. And then mm-hmm. some other little ships kind of come and gather it up and take it away. And then it yeah, shows up yeah. again later. And uh-huh. yeah. reminds me of like in Star Fox where you see the, you know, depending on what course you take, you see the pieces of the other things that got blown up, like being carried mm-hmm. around. Right. And that's a, that's exactly right. Um, later on in uh, I think it's six. There's a there's an enemy that's um, got like these claws on either side of it, and as you're flying, it's and it it's inching its way backward, and it's just grabbing like the the cannons and stuff just off of 
what what I kind of think of it like kind of being the assembly line almost like it's just grabbing pieces and attaching it onto itself and you know shooting shells and rockets and stuff at you. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the other thing that's cool is it it kind of gives the it, it gives the world a little bit more of a, a believable aspect, I guess, in a way that you know there's a a design purpose to all of the different ships and the weapons. Like you right. think, okay, right. you know, these are mass produced by this um, you know this alien uh entity or something and like this is what they have so they just keep using them so i don't know i, th- I thought it was cool yeah i like it uh okay so you said you had a bunch of notes anything else you major you want to cover before we kind of move on well i just kind of want to get into the history of this a little bit and talk about um you know just because we only see it from you know from our side growing up where we didn't have a lot of exposure to you know the <clears throat> what made this game really really popular and you know you got to figure in 92 this game came out for us at a time when the turbo graphics um when the turbo duo at this point was kind of on its way out and kind of already had been because um at the time you know nec brought the turbo graphics over here in what like 88 89 something like that and then at some point it changed to turbo technologies incorporated when they brought the turbo duo out but a lot of times then by this time period it was really hard to find games you know like you might go to babbages or whatever so for us the only chance like if you grew up with the system you probably got your games either like by mail like through the back of a magazine or maybe calling you know turbo direct and, and getting it that way but in japan this series and this game has a completely different history and following than what we really were familiar with and i was posting a little bit about it over the last week or so but um, basically, like we said in the beginning, this game was created by Hudson in 92. But Hudson goes way back uh, even to Star Soldier on the NES and in the arcade. That was kind of their their first big breakout shoot 'em up And I, I, I want to interrupt you for just a second and let people know, because this was something that I wasn't familiar with. Hmm. But if if you didn't realize that Soldier Blade is part of a franchise, it is. Yeah. And it spans more than just the TurboGrafx-16. There's, it's the Star Soldier series, which right. there's there's three games for the TurboGrafx, Soldier Blade being the third. But fourth. Was there's technically four. For the TurboGrafx? Yeah. It's just one of them didn't come out here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I was aware of Super Star Soldier and Final Soldier, mm. Soldier Blade. Yeah. Um, but also there's Star Soldier for the NES, which I played and I knew about, but I had no idea that this was part of the same franchise. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you've ever seen that, which I think right now it's on the 3DS virtual console, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a pretty re- recognizable cover. I saw it, you know, at rental stores quite a bit. But oh yeah, yeah, it's, you know, 80s sci-fi dude that looks like he's in his 40s with his laser tag pistol. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. so yeah, if you're if you've ever seen that, that's actually part of the same franchise. But right. anyway. Sorry, yeah, didn't, didn't um, to interrupt. No, that's fine. Um, that's kind of what I was getting at was the, um, you know, it, it started in like 85 with uh, Star Soldier. And then, you know, obviously a Super Star Soldier, Final Soldier, Soldier Blade. And then um, one of the last one in this series for the Turbo that we didn't get here was um, a CD game. It was actually called Star Parodier. And it was sort of, you know, much like Parodius for Konami and things like that. It was sort of, you know, Hudson's like parody version of the Star Soldier games, you know, so it's kind of a kind of a cute up 
I guess you could say, um, which is kind of in a place kind of like Twin Bee almost, where it's just lighthearted and, and fun. And, uh, you know, one of the main characters that you can play as, because you can play as different ships, but uh, one of the ships you can play as is a little PC engine console. And it actually has a, a copy of Superstar Soldier in the Hue card spot. <laughs> nice. So, uh, but no, going back to that. Um, so Hudson in 85, they started something called uh, the Hudson All Japan Caravan Festival. And you might have seen, like in Soldier Blade on the main menu, you might have seen an option that said caravan mode. And you're probably kind of curious what it was. And it, there's a two minute, and there's a five minute uh, time attack, basically. So Hudson ran these festivals every year, and they were super, super popular. Um, and it was basically you had caravan mode. So you had either two minutes or you had five minutes to score as much as you could in that time period. And so that was the competition. And then every year, it sort of became uh, a big thing then to release a new game every year. So you had you know, your Star Soldier, and then um, for 87, then they had um, over there, it was called Hector 87 which we knew as Starship Hector on the NES, which is another shoot 'em up So, um, but basically from 85 to about 92, you had sort of the glory years of, of these Hudson shoot 'em ups And, you know, like you said, a lot of them are kind of similar, but I think that's kind of its strength too, because if you, if you like these style of old school shoot 'em ups you know, you're going to discover all these other ones that are pretty similar to Soldier Blade. And you're already going to have some of the fundamentals down, so it's not going to be as hard to get into those. But right, you know, um, you've also got on the turbo. Then you've got blazing lasers, which we got here, which is sort of. I mean, it's kind of like Soldier Blade. It was developed by Compile, who did uh, Zanuck for NES. They did Musha on the Genesis. Uh, they did a, the Aleste series. So they've done a lot of good shoot 'em ups too. But blazing lasers, fantastic. Yeah, it's super, super good. So, um, and that one is actually, it feels a lot like this game, even though they're not really related. It feels like it could be a part of the series, you know, just the way that the, the weapon types are a little bit different, but they kind of still have the same pattern, you know, like instead of the, well, I guess the, like the blue laser in this one is kind of the same in that one, but it's more like lightning and it kind of swirls around, I guess. So I don't know. Um, I, I would, I guess I would say that, um, you know, if you're into this kind of thing, check out some of the other games in the series because it's really cool. And, you know, looking back and, and reading about like the, the caravan festivals and stuff, it's like, that's something that we never really saw, but that would have been really cool to experience, you know? So. I'm thinking about, I was just looking at kind of all the different games that came out in the star soldier series and the caravan series and saw the, the caravan shooting collection for the super Nintendo, mm-hmm. which never got released here. It was released in 95 in Japan. Right. Um, but compilation included star force star soldier hector 87 and they were all featured in that all japan caravan festival but i'm thinking that might be a fun import for my super famicom oh absolutely yeah i would definitely recommend that one Hmm. and along the same lines there was another um, series called uh, summer carnival where they you know had a sort of a new shoot 'em up every year and they would have they would debut a uh, a new game and it had it was a two minute or five minute there's one on the uh, came out on the 3DS Virtual Console a couple of years ago. It's called Reca, and it's one of the on the Famicom. It's one of the most expensive games out there, but it's it's a um, score attack shoot 'em up, much like the Star Soldier series, but on the NES. And it is super super good because it plays really fast. It plays like a Turbo Graphics game, and it's really well done. So if you can 
find it on the virtual console. It's like three ninety nine. It's completely worth it. That's yeah, almost nothing. Yeah, yeah. Especially for a game that obscure and that uh, you know that out there. I guess you know it's not something that we would normally be exposed to unless you really if 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 you're a big fan of this genre and you really start to dig deep, you'll find a lot of these games that were uh, you know very popular overseas that never got popular here. But if you're a fan of the series, it's definitely worth checking out. Caravan Shooting Collection on eBay, complete in box, 28 bucks. Well, there you go. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I like that a lot of those did kind of show up on the virtual console, but I think that they were pretty obscure. And from the from the names, like, you really didn't know what you were getting. Like, yeah, yeah whatever, su- Summer Caravan Collections, like, what? what? <laughs> Carnival 92 Recca. Yeah. Yeah, is that is that like the uh, Mickey Mouse or... Muppets in Adventure Land or whatever. <laughs> I know it's and it's weird too because depending on what company licensed it to bring it out over here, it probably that probably wasn't the original name for it in Japan anyway. You know, like if you look at on the PS1 and PS2, we got uh Mobile Light Force and Mobile Light Force 2 is these budget releases, and they were actually other games in Japan. Like Mobile Light Force here was a game called Shinryu in Japan, but you know, they just brought it over here and took out all the cutscenes and dialogue. Like Mobile Light Force Two was actually a Castle Shikigami game, but it just they took all the characters and cutscenes out of it and just released it here for like twenty bucks. Yeah. So it gets really confusing, you know. And one of my favorites on the Saturn is a game called well in the U.S. it's called Galactic Attack. In Japan, it's known as uh, Layer Section, but it's also can be known as um, two other different titles as well, which is weird. So. Uh, we need to stop. I'm having a flashback to the Wonder Boy episode. Yeah, it's very similar to that, you know, where you get like, you know, Wonder Boy 3, Monster World 4, or, you know, things like that. So <laughs> just, just bizarre. Yeah. It makes you wonder, it's like, why not just keep the name the same? If you're going to localize it and bring it over, odds are people that have heard about it in Japan have probably heard about it by its original title. So why not just keep that original title and just release it here? Right. You know, I don't know. The head scratcher. Otherwise, people wonder why all the Final Fantasy games on the Game Boy are so weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it all I would say it all goes back to that with Final Fantasy 2 and 3 with what we got versus the original Final Fantasy 2 and 3. Yep. So, oh, I remember what it was now. Layer section is also known as uh, Gunlock or uh, Rayforce. Uh, of course. Yeah, or Layer section. So. <laughs> all right, so it looks like we had a lot of feedback from listeners who have played this and love it so do you have any of that pulled up and want to share it um you know i don't have a lot of it pulled up right now but we did share it quite a bit last week and a lot of people you know just chimed in as as it being one of their favorite turbo graphics games which i would absolutely agree this is a showpiece for you know for the system outside of the cd based games right but yeah that's super super good i did want to give a quick shout out to um mark stevens uh, aka ex mosquito because he posted uh, a link to his YouTube where he has a uh, one life clear on hard mode of soldier blade. And it's super awesome. Uh, you guys should go check it out. We'll put a link in the uh, show notes for it. And uh, it's just, if you want to watch some high level play as to, you know, how this game can be mastered, uh, check that out. So yeah, I watched through it. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, his stuff is super good. He's got a lot of good stuff on his channel. So yeah. Be sure to tell him about uh, Graveyard Duck Challenge, you know, so he can come whoop our ass when we do a shoot 'em up. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> tips and tricks. So. All right. Did you have any tips and tricks for this one? Uh, you know, I I do, but at the same time, a lot of it's just going to be uh, it's going to be stuff that you're going to learn through practice. But a good rule of thumb, I guess, for most vertical shoot 'em ups is you never want to sit just directly underneath the boss. Like you don't want to sit dead center of him because nine times out of ten they're going to have some giant attack that's going to come out and kill you right away. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I always tend to, like, if I first encounter a boss like that, I always tend to, to stay either a little left or right of center, especially if you've got a, a ship or a, a, a shot that's going to shoot at different angles, then you're still going to hit them, but you're going to be a little, a little bit safer. So um, I would say do that. Um, definitely keep in mind your little, uh, your option, so to speak, your little pod that's up there. Um, use that to shield yourself, but keep in mind how you position it. So uh, that just takes some practice to get used to, I guess. But in other words, and otherwise, don't be afraid to use the uh, special attacks, especially right. if you're at a boss encounter. Um, and this is true of most shooting ups anyway. If, if you're going to get hit by a bullet, you're going to die and you're going to lose whatever bomb stock that you had, whether it be two or three bombs. So if you're not used to how it works at first, or maybe there's a bullet coming right at you, don't hesitate to hit the bomb button right away because that's not only going to give you maybe a bit of invincibility to escape to a safe spot, it's also going to hit the boss for quite a bit of damage. Yeah. So don't be That's afraid true. of bombs. Uh, all I got, because, uh, you know, I don't have enough experience playing this game to actually be good at it. I found a level select. Cool. Um, if on the title screen, if you press up and select at the same time, then down and select at the same time, then left and select, then right and select, uh, you can either, it says you can press and hold the directional buttons before or pressing select, but you have to press both at the same time. Uh, and if you do it right, then you can have the option to go anywhere from stage two through 11. They're kind of in the main menu. Uh, if you kind of scroll down past the normal game, it's before you get to like caravan stage, challenge stage and all that. And pressing select cycles through them. So there's a level select screen if if you are like me and can't get through it on your own. That's cool. I didn't know about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, looking at it now, kind of nice. All right, Wes, would you recommend this to people? Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, it's this game is available in other places besides the uh, the actual TurboGrafx card itself, which is going to be really expensive these days. Um, most people probably would be able to find this on PlayStation Network. It's on uh, PS3 and PSP and Vita. But uh, if you want a physical copy, I mean, there obviously it's on the, the original system, but uh, there is a couple of import uh, PSP collections of some of the Hudson turbo shooters. So I think this one is on there as well, but yeah, primarily you'll probably play it on PlayStation network. That would be the, the go-to I, I would think for most people. Yeah. I would recommend it as well. I would say that, you know, for if you're like me and just don't have a lot of experience with the shoot 'em ups, this is a really fun one, but just be prepared for a challenge. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I find that most of these with a little bit of practice and a couple playthroughs, you can usually clear it. And yeah, I give this, several honest efforts and got about halfway through. So mm-hmm. just be prepared to get uh, beat down a little bit. And if you're good with that, then give it a shot. Hopefully you shouldn't find it too frustrating compared to a lot of other uh, games within the genre. And that's not even getting into like sort of the, uh, the bullet hell genre, the subgenre, I guess as well. But 
in these sort of the more old school type shoot 'em ups, I don't think this one is terribly frustrating. No, it's it's like I've said the term I've coined, you know, and used before on the show is it's it's fun to get your ass kicked in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you'll you'll learn and you'll get better, and it's going to feel better than the next time that you come back and fire up the game. You know, you're going to just breeze through the levels that you were stuck on before, and it's going to feel really good. Right. I'll stick with it, especially towards the end, because once you get to the the final stage and the the final boss, it's a lot of fun. All right, so we got some more good stuff coming up this uh, next couple week or two on the show and in the social media. Again, sorry for being a couple days late on this episode, but we've already kicked off the next Graveyard Duck Challenge. So if you've been on Facebook, you've seen us there talking about Marble Madness. So uh, if, if that's your game, if you've got an a- access to a copy of it, then throw your scores up there. Uh, it's basically just a standard start the game high score challenge. Uh, we're going through... As always, we'll go through next Friday sometime early morning, and I'll cut it off. But uh, yeah, not not a whole lot of participation in that one so far. I think people are having a tough, tough time finding cards that I can't find the cart at all. Yeah, uh, I I seem to have thought the Marble Madness was a much more common NES cart than it's actually turning out to be. So yeah, it's very cheap. Like if you can mm-hmm. find it, it's only worth about five bucks. But apparently. It's uh, not not readily available. So if you have it, you might be able to get on the leaderboard just by default. That's true. Um, and then, yeah, after that, we've got another good episode, I think, lined up for two weeks from now. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a, a pick coming up that I've never played. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah it'll be a fun one. Show, you know, going back and forth and discovering games that each of us liked and maybe the other person hasn't played. So tune in. Hopefully time. new to listeners, too, and they enjoy yeah. what we're doing. So. Definitely. All right, so lots of good stuff coming up. Stay on social media. Wes, you just started our new uh, Instagram. Yeah, so uh, you can uh, check out Graveyard Duck Podcast on Instagram now, and it's just going to be um, – we're just going to post some fun photos and gaming-related stuff on there. So uh, it's probably going to be some stuff that you probably won't see in the Facebook group. Um, you might see it on, on Twitter as well, though. So, um, you know, we're just trying to get out there and all the different – forms of social media so to speak and it's just it's just going to be fun to just kind of post some random stuff on there so um, check that out as well definitely all righty so stay tuned and if you have any ideas for shows that you want us to do or ideas for some challenges whatever just want to send some feedback back to us wes how do they get hold of us so of course the uh, most easiest one would be through the facebook group which would be graveyard duck podcast uh, like I said, we're on Twitter uh, at Duck Graveyard, so you can follow us there as well, and Graveyard Duck Podcast on Instagram. So uh, check us out there. Uh, send us an email, graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or um, you know Facebook or wherever, and just get, the, get that out there and, and recommend it to your friends. If you enjoy the show, um, please pass it on. So we like talking about games, and we hope that you enjoy listening. Definitely. Alrighty, so I think that wraps this one up, and I would say until we come back in two weeks, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes, and just don't forget that a lot of the enemies in this game are formidable foes, but a careful study of their movements will lead you to a certain victory. Game over.